Welcome back to another episode of the Author Your Dream podcast. I'm your host, Kenny McKay, and today I have a fantastic episode that I think you're going to love. My guest today is an expert editor, a best-selling author, a book marketer, and on top of all that, she runs an award-winning blog for writers. Today's interview runs a little bit longer than what I usually do with my guest interviews, but trust me, it is is worth it. Welcome to Author Your Dream, a podcast dedicated to helping you as you fulfill your dream of writing and publishing a book. With your host, Kenny McKay. I am so excited today to have an expert editor, best-selling author, and book marketer, Shayla Raquel. She works one-on-one with authors and business owners every single day. A lifelong lover of books, she has edited over 400 books and has launched several Amazon bestsellers for her clients. Her award-winning blog teaches new and established authors how to write, publish, and market their books. She is the author of The Pre-Publishing Checklist, The Rotting in Shivers in the Night, The Suicide Tree, as well as The Ten Commandments of Author Branding. In her not-so-free time, she acts as organizer for the Yukon Writers Society, volunteers at the Oklahoma City Jail, and obsesses over squirrels. She lives in Oklahoma with her dogs, Chanel, Wednesday, and Baker. Shayla, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I love listening to the podcast that you did with Mindy Shaneman, who wrote Adrian's Awakening. So that's how we found out about each other. So we have to give a shout-out to Mindy for introducing us. (laughs) So I loved it. It was great. It was a great episode. Yeah, it was really good to interview her. So tell us about your author journey. Oh, boy. (laughs) I will try my very best to give you the shortest version possible. Um, So are you specifically wanting to know how I wound up becoming a writer and then an author? Are you interested? I mean, what is the most, what would you like to know the most? Because it is a long story. So I don't want to go too long. All right. Uh, well, let's let's focus on like how you became a writer um, first, okay. and then talk about going into working with other authors. Wonderful. Okay. So here's a short version. Um, I went to college for writing, and when I got out, I started at a publishing company. I was a month away from turning 21, so I turned 21 the very next month after I got the job, and I started out as a copywriter. And so I wrote magazine articles. I wrote uh, bios and I wrote, I edited lyrics. I did all sorts of stuff that had to do with music at the time. And then six months later, I was asked to apply for a copy editor position where I would be editing, see, 15 books each month. Some were, some of them were really short. Some were, you know, you always had like a couple that were pretty long in there and then some, you know, like 30,000 words, 40,000 words here. So I applied, even though I didn't want to, I mean, I wanted to desperately, but I was certain that I wasn't old enough, smart enough, good enough, et cetera, enough to do it. But I did. And I passed the copy editor's test and started very quickly as a copy editor. And I loved it. It was a blast. I, I loved copy editing. I loved the mechanics. I loved being, which is weird because I'm not a logical, like analyzing type person, but for some reason I love the grammar, spelling, punctuation, all those things. So I did that for quite a long time until I moved into becoming a marketing publicist where I got to schedule book signings and author events for authors all over the place. That was really fun. Well, by the time 2013 rolled around, I started my own company because I realized that I was missing that one-on-one interaction with the author because as a copy editor, you know, I didn't get to have a one-on-one relationship with the author. I was just kind of in the background. So I started my own company on April 20th, 2013. And I finally got to start working one-on-one with authors. And the thing is when you work with authors, you start to become friends. And to this day, I mean, I have accumulated so many friendships just from working on books. And that's what I always wanted as a little kid, as a teenager who knew she wanted to be a writer. That to me was the ultimate success was getting to have these relationships with authors. You know, they're my heroes. And as things continue to grow in my company and I started taking on more books and more projects and all these wonderful things, I started working on my own stuff. 
And the first thing I ever published was actually called The Curiouser Crusade. And it's not in existence anymore, but it was a book that taught you, it was interactive and it taught you how to write a novel in six months. And it was really fun, but it was kind of like a practice for me in the self-pub world. Well, by 2015, I published the pre-publishing checklist, a to-do list for indie authors, which is still free to this day. And I use it as an opt-in freebie for my email newsletter and it gets updated. It's behind on its update. I have to update it soon. But I, I mean, that has been something that's really helped me grow my company. And it helps people. It helps them save themselves time, money, hair pulling, <laughs> headaches, all those things. And then I finally, you know, I started out as, a, well, excuse me, let me back up a little bit. I took on the position as the organizer for a nonprofit called the Yukon Writers Society. They were founded in 2016 here in Yukon, Oklahoma, but they had only had two meetings and it wasn't even in Yukon, Oklahoma. It was in like Oklahoma City. And so I took over in May 2017 as an organizer. And for those of you who are listening, if you are not part of a writer's group, I beseech you, please join one. It has changed my life. I'm a firm believer in if I had not joined that group and taken over as organizer, The Suicide Tree, which is my first full-length novel, would not exist. I know it wouldn't because I wouldn't have had the accountability from the members. I wouldn't have had the urge to move forward. I wouldn't have had the feedback. I had a lot of feedback on my book, all those things. and so. That definitely, you know, and before that was published, The Rotting, which is a short story about a body farm in Texas, was um, published in April 2018. And then The Suicide Tree, which was my science fiction adventure novel. And that took three and a half years to write and publish. So if you're worried about how long it takes you to finish a book, don't. Because however long it takes you, it's however long it takes you. And that's okay. And then, of course, in October 2019 came the Ten Commandments of Author Branding. And so that's kind of how I got it. It was just very natural, very organic. I knew I wanted to write books. That wasn't anything new. I knew that. But I think I needed that confidence that I could help other people do it first before I could successfully do it on my own. So that's the crash course. That's the short and sweet version. Version. If you want the 10-hour version, we're going to have to <laughs> spend some more time on it. But that's the shortest version I have. Oh, that's fantastic. Man, like what you're saying about it took you so long to write that one mm-hmm. and not worrying about it. I'm the same. Like my first, my first book took me three and a half years. Right. Um, partly because... So it I, took the same. It took the same. Yeah. We both had the same. Yeah. But the thing I didn't have was I didn't have your book, The Ten Commandments of <laughs> Author Branding, because I'm reading it. And I'm like, man, if I had had this when I was writing, I would have known to get into an author community. Yeah, I but I mean, I didn't know stuff. either. I, and that's the thing. I didn't know either. And it's OK. You just start now. You can't worry about what I should have done years ago. It's OK. We learn from our mistakes. We move forward. We have life lessons. And tomorrow's a new day. So just try like for those of you who think, Oh, it's too late. It's too late. No, it's not. It's never. In fact, I actually wrote an article all about like the different ages and like the different, like how the ages of certain famous authors, you know, anywhere from like 14 all the way to late sixties when they published their books and even um, how long it took them. Like Elizabeth Kostova is one of my all time favorite authors in the world. And she wrote the historian, which is about Dracula. It took her 10 years to write that. And because of that, she won numerous awards for that book. So there's nothing wrong with it taking three years, 10 years, 13 years. It's okay. That's great. Speaking of of books, the Ten Commandments, like where did that come from? Oh, that's funny. So I was playing around. I knew that I wanted my next book to be about book ambassadors. And a book ambassador is a loyal reader who fangirls over your book and tells the world about it. I knew that I wanted it to be about branding, marketing, book ambassadors. And I kept, I knew I had all this content that I had written over the years and plenty I hadn't. And I knew that I wanted to put that all together and give it to people in this one (laughs) book. So I got onto my little handy dandy thesaurus. 
and I started typing in different words like um, rules, guidelines, like all every type of noun you could think of. And then I kept coming back to commandments because it stuck out to me, which it's very rigid. And so like commandments is a very rigid thing, right? But I knew that if people were familiar with who I am, they knew that it would be anything but. They knew that there would be a lot of flexibility, that it would not be a dry toned book. It would be something that was very fun and conversational. And I like things, I kind of like irony. I like things being turned on its head. Um, when I named my company, it was Curiouser Editing LLC. And I always loved that because technically Curiouser was never a word. And when Alice walked into Wonderland, that's what she said. And that wasn't actually a word. And so I love things like that. Um, and so I just kept coming back to it. And I was like, I bet somebody already has this. And so I typed it in on Amazon and I think I typed in different variations, like 10 commandments of book marketing, 10 commandments of something. And then I just never found anything like it. So I was like, that's it. That's the one. And it just, it hit. And I, now the, that wasn't the hard part. The worst part was the subtitle because my subtitle is long, but I knew that I mean, honestly, if you, if you were to go ask a bunch of authors right now, what does author branding mean? Good luck seeing if you can get a consistent answer. Either they don't know or they won't really quite have that definition down right. And so I knew that the subtitle needed to truly explain what it meant or else I, don't, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to sell as well if that wasn't crystal clear. So the hardest part was the subtitle. Yeah, no, actually, that's actually one of my questions is, um, what is the definition of author branding? Because sure. somebody who's just coming on into the writing world, there's going to be so much lingo and jargon that that writers <laughs> use. And they're going to be like, what is going on? Yeah. So author branding, what would be your definition of it? I mean, honestly, the easiest way that you can explain author branding to someone who has never heard of it before is to say that you, the author, you are the brand. Your product that you are trying to sell and make a living off of is your book. <laughs> okay, that's the simplest term. You are the brand, your book is the product. But to make that a little bit bigger, it is your reputation, your passions, your message, your theme, your image, all rolled in to one primary goal, to make a living as an author. And so what happens is when authors will come to me and they'll say something like, I want you to help me build my author brand, or I want you to help me with marketing. What they're really saying is I want to sell my book, but I don't know how to find the readers. <laughs> That's what they're saying. And they're not going to really know unless they have a firm foundation of the things that I teach in my book, which is why we start with authenticity. And that's why I don't start with social media, website. I don't even get into that. And so we have a very firm foundation in who you are as an author and what makes you intrinsically you and what makes you interesting to follow. What is it that you love so much? Not just books, by the way. You know, what about your hobbies, interests, passions? What about all that stuff that just makes me so happy to follow you and read your books. I've always said that if you can get a reader to fall in love with you first and to fall in love with your book, they'll read everything down to your grocery list. They will read it all because they fell in love with you. And that is really the, the primary focus of everything that I teach. And I try really hard in each commandment to bring it right back to that same thing with author branding. It has to always come back to that. So ultimately, that is the simplest de definition. Author branding is <laughs> you are the brand, your book is the product. Now, how do you sell it for the rest of your life and have a blast doing it? And not feel slimy, by the way. Not feel slimy and gross when you're marketing your book. Because I know some authors feel that way. And my job is to help you not feel that way anymore. Nice. Yeah, the, the thing that, that came up to me, that next question that I have was, what would you say to somebody who, because branding is a very, like you think of branding, you think of Nike and McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, you, you brand corporate. recognition, sure. Yeah, and, yeah. and it can be very corporate kind of connotation. Is, right. So what would you say to somebody who, who would be like, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be so corporate. I want to be. You know, I, I, I would, be. I would tell them, I don't want that for you either. And you shouldn't be. 
it's it's easy for us to take the term brand recognition and apply it to things like coca-cola mcdonald's nike and so on and so forth right because that's easy for us so like right now kenny if i say i'm just going to say a noun and then you give me a brand name okay to make this really clear right. <laughs> okay ready all right tennis shoes adidas burgers mcdonald's coffee starbucks starbucks okay so you're able to do that because of brand recognition because corporations have bajillions of dollars that's a very technical term bajillions bajillions of dollars to feed into this right hi lowly author over here <laughs> you know uh that doesn't work for us right so when you do have these authors, you think, oh, well, then that's what you're trying to make me. You're, you're trying to say, no, I don't. I want you to be whatever the opposite of Starbucks is, okay? Or the opposite of that. What I want is for you to have a tight-knit community of readers who love your stuff. You know, I've always said that there's certain authors and, and people I follow online where if I'm scrolling online or I get an email, I don't even have to see their name to know it's them. And that to me is the type of brand recognition I want. So for example, there's one person that I follow. Her name is Kelsey Humphreys and she has a book, but she does a lot of motivational speaking. Like that's her thing. I can be scrolling through my Instagram and immediately, excuse me, immediately know that photo is her. How, how can I know that without even seeing her name? Because she always, always, always has hot pink in her photos. It's her little tiny thing that she does that sets her apart. I can be scrolling and see a tweet and immediately know that it was written by John Acuff, who wrote many wonderful books, but most um, important to me was the do-over book. I know it's him because he has a lot of hilarious tweets and he's um, sarcastic and silly and I can pick up on that. So for you as an author who's trying to understand brand recognition and trying to figure, you can't even mess with all that until you sit down and start going through some questions like, who am I? Who am I really? What is it about me that would make people want to read my book? That would make people want to open my emails, read my blog, watch my YouTube video. What do I have to offer that's valuable? And I always strive to let people know that value has a lot of different definitions. But ultimately, value means that what you're putting out there into the world is educational, entertaining, or encouraging. Usually it's one of those three or sometimes two out of the three, okay? So for my psychological thriller novelist out there, it's okay, you don't have to be encouraging or educational, but you can be entertaining, right? So if you can provide that type of value, if you can talk about other things besides your book, did you know that other people are interested in your hobbies and passions and interests and all of those things? We love that too. So that's what makes you stick out. That's what makes me want to see your stuff. You don't need to have the marketing campaign of Coca-Cola. No author in the world needs to have that. You need to just do what is authentically you and that's it. So I hope that that answers your question, but I do, I, I do think that's probably one of the best questions I've had so far is people who feel like, well, what is, what does it mean? When you say branding, do you mean that I have to do, spend all this money and do all these outlandish things? No, <laughs> I want you to do the opposite of that. Really what I'm asking people to do is to spend their time, not their money. I'm asking them to spend time on the posts that they write, on the photos they take, on the videos they produce. I'm asking them to spend time on the things that they put out there so that it always provides value. Hmm. No, that's great. Um, something that you keep saying and i know we talked about it in before the show was uh -huh. authenticity and you said mm -hmm. that you chose often the the commandments so we'll read the the commandments real quick sure. now, I, have, I have the list because there's a lot of these and thou's <laughs> yes <laughs> go for it yeah. so ten commandments so first commandment is thou shalt be thyself mm -hmm. number two is thou shalt have a local writing community number three Thou shalt not make unto thee an ugly website. <laughs> Thou shalt not take the name of social media in vain. And I got to tell you here, when I saw this one, I wanted yeah. to skip ahead and read that one because I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> but I forced myself to read through all the other ones. Yeah. Uh, the next one <laughs> is to remember the email newsletter 
to keep it holy. Number six is honor thy book ambassadors and reviewers. Number seven, thou shalt not kill consistency. Number eight, thou shalt not commit salesy marketing tactics. Number nine, thou shalt not bear a boring book launch. And finally, number 10 is thou shalt not covet another author's success. <laughs> Those are fun to write. And I really did. I pulled out my Bible and, and started playing around with them. And the social media and vain one was really fun because of how many people I've worked with in the past who hate it. And I'm like, you hate it because, well, I don't know if you want me to get ahead or not, but you hate it because you have every right to hate it because you're not using it the right way. Um, once you learn how to use it in a way that works best for you, your personality, your lifestyle, your book, <laughs> all those things, then it's a lot more fun. Yeah, and like when I was reading the book, all the other Ten Commandments are linked back to that one about being authentically you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I tried very hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it is the foundation, but I think that a lot of people don't understand what that means. And I'm assuming that's kind of the segue here. Um, but so what I always try to do is I start off with what authenticity isn't. So authenticity is not using salesy jargon. And when I'm talking about, you know it, I don't I could sit here for days and talk about it. Basically, if you are trying to write something that has anything to do or post something, I don't care whatever verb you want. If you're trying to talk about something that will help you sell your book and when you do it, it makes you feel like you're behind a 7-Eleven in a dark alley wearing a trench coat with slicked back hair flipping a nickel and you need a shower afterward. If, if, if that's the way you feel, that slimy feeling, then you ain't doing it right. And you need to back up and rethink some things. So first of all, that's that's one thing authenticity isn't. It's not about being uh, salesy. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that it isn't. But once you understand, okay, being authentic is whatever the opposite is of being salesy. Then you can start going into, ah, being authentic means that I am being my weird, unique, quirky, whatever adjective you want, self, while I'm talking about my book or anything else online or in person. It's about being genuine and honest in your online activity. It means that your personal brand has this recognizable voice that sets you apart from others. You have to be yourself. I don't understand why so many authors out there strive to be like other authors. And I don't mean in the writing style. I mean that they'll kind of obsess over, well, so-and-so has been doing this with his email list. So that's what I need to do. And so-and-so has been doing, I mean, I know that you can learn from other people. I'm, I'm not putting that down. What I'm saying is you need to do what works best for you and not what works best for everybody else. Um, you know, there's this wonderful friend of mine, her name is Mariana Llanos, and she writes children's picture books. And she is just fantastic, um, absolutely amazing. And she said once, she said, I used to think, who am I kidding? I'm never gonna write like this writer. She said, it took me four years of my life to realize I'm never gonna write like so-and-so, but I wanna write it myself. I am gonna be the next Mariana Llanos. When your voice comes out, it is liberated, it is free, and it reflects your soul. I, like, it gives me goosebumps when I think of it, because I'm like, I want to be the next Shayler Kel. Like, yeah, that's who I want to be. Forget about everybody else. That's who I want to be. And once that clicks for you, your authenticity can shine bright. But it is all about sharing what you love, sharing about your failures, sharing about the things that mean something to you, sharing about why you're writing this book, why it matters, the research that went into all those things are vastly intriguing. And they may, what do they do? They humanize us, don't they? Um, I, th I think it's easy to go straight to see Stephen King because so many people want to use his quotes, talk about this, talk about that. But you know what's really interesting about him? That man has a Twitter where he shows off videos of him throwing the Frisbee with his corgi named Molly, AKA Thing of Evil. And when I see my favorite novelist and like the man whose memoir got me into writing, when I see him doing stuff like that in his, you know, pajamas, it humanizes him for me. When I see other authors that do that, I, I feel like I can relate to them. I can't relate 
to the authors out there who aren't real and who are disingen disingenuous and you act fake and spammy and all those things, don't be like that. If, it, if you see some author doing something that makes you unsubscribe, unfollow, have a sour taste in your mouth, go ahead and jot that down. Make your own little list of things that you don't want to do when you market your book and don't do them. I mean, I've done it. I have my own list of marketing do's and don'ts and I try very hard to stick to those. So I hope that kind of answers your question on authenticity. Oh yeah, definitely. Like what you're talking about, not being salesy. Like yeah. in, in the book, there's a, a part where it talks about not sending out emails with, Oh, Hey, oops, my bad. I broke the server. <laughs> I, I cringed inside when I read that. I was like, Oh, I've seen that so many times. Yes. The one that makes me the, Oh, the one that like, I don't know why. Cause they all get under my skin. Don't get me wrong. But there's this one where they, it'll say like RE on it, um, which usually means like, you know, regarding or reply or whatever. And so it'll say in the email subject line, RE colon, and then whatever the title of that original email was. So it makes it look as if they had emailed you and are replying back or whatever or you're replying back it's it started not like maybe two or three years ago and as soon as i saw it i was like what a sneaky tricky terrible thing to do and i've seen authors do it and i'm like why would you do that you're lying to them nobody i didn't email you this isn't your reply back to me but they'll do it they'll do anything they can to get opens and i don't like that i don't want to be like that and yeah, it is important to get people to open your newsletters. I'm not saying it isn't, but that's sleazy. The only word for that is sleazy, in my opinion. No, I totally agree. And like, as you mentioned, I, I'm like, look, thinking about my inbox of like 4,000 emails that I have. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a good, there's a good chunk of them that are very similar yeah. to yeah. what you're just talking about. Oh, yeah. And it's because some author did or some influencer, some company, whatever, and then it just sticks and they'll wear it out and then there'll be something else. It'll be something else or they'll use like crazy clickbait titles. I mean, I'm talking something nuts like a shark bit me in the face and you're like, what? And you open it and then it has nothing to do with anything of the sort, but it's just meant to get you to open the email. And that is so infuriating to me. I don't understand the point of that. I really don't. Yeah. So like what you're saying, like just t tying it back into being authentic, like doing stuff like that, would you say would, would be somebody who either doesn't care about being authentic or isn't sure who they are? authentically neither Ooh. um i think that it that the people who do this we'll just pick on authors today because that's what it's about yeah it's the people who listen to really horrible marketers who told them either through a course a video a one-on-one -on -one consult a blog post if you want to get more opens if you want to get more engagement if you want to do this here's what you do and then they give them these really just sleazy ideas and they think, oh, well, I guess they recommended that. So that's what I'm going to do. I mean, most of the time, if these authors are implementing these ideas, it's, I mean, I, I'm not, it's, it's not like they just came up with it out of the blue. A lot of times they see what other people are doing or they're being taught that by a marketer or another author who kind of took them under their wing and is unfortunately guiding them down the wrong path. So it's really up to people like you and me and all these um, other amazing people out there, you know, like Jane Friedman and, um, you know, uh, Mark Dawson and all these great people who can say, hey, stop doing that. Like, that's not okay. Stop doing that. So I don't even think it's necessarily like, yeah, I think that I don't even think authenticity has ever been introduced to them if they're doing stuff like that constantly, you know, like they're buying Instagram followers, they're paying for Amazon reviews, which is against their policies. They're using clickbait. If they're doing stuff like that, I don't think authenticity has ever even been brought up to them. They are simply mimicking what they see other people do or they're being taught and both are bad. <laughs> so it's, it's important for us to call people out on it, not like to their face and be mean, but to have resources out there to show them, hey, let's not do that anymore. Here's a better way. And, and everybody makes mistakes. I mean, there's things I've done 
years ago or even whatever where I think, oh my word, I wish I could take that back because I didn't know any better. But now I do know better, so I have no excuse. How would you help somebody who has a social media account, they've got a following, but they didn't take the time to think about who they are and they've posted certain types of posts like on, for Instagram, huh. let's go with Instagram. So they've done okay. it one way for, and it, they've done the branding type thing and it, it's all similar, but now they're like, you know what? That's not really me. How would you yeah. help somebody to just shift from doing that to that? Cause I think I, a lot of people would say, Oh, well I've, I've done this so much. How can I just shift it? I have people come to me a lot for that where we've like either shut down, you know, where they're juggling two or three different Instagram accounts. I've had that happen or Facebook accounts. Um, because I'm, this one like makes me crazy, but somewhere, somehow they got the idea that I'll have an Instagram account for my name and then I'll go have an Instagram account for the name of my book. And they'll do the same thing with Facebook. And I'm like, so you're going to go create a brand new account every time you write a new book. Uh, no. Okay. Then this has got to go. So when you are marketing, when you're doing all those things, photos, and you've been like, okay, but I've been doing it this way for so long. Okay. Did you know that it used to totally like, we didn't used to have to wear seatbelts. That wasn't a thing. You could totally get in a car and nobody would care if you didn't wear a seatbelt. That used to be a thing. Did you know that there used to be laws where it was illegal for a black person to marry a white person? And that was a totally normal thing. And did you know that there are all these rules about English? Like I could go on for 10 years about this, right? things change. It's okay, you guys. Just because it was done a certain way in the beginning doesn't mean you have to do it that way now. Like in the English grammar world, the big joke is like, there are no longer two spaces after a period. The only reason that ever existed in the first place was because of, you know, monotype, like <laughs> from decades ago. And you still have people who will adhere to, there has to be two spaces after a period or any punctuation mark, and that gets taken away completely when you work with an editor. And what will they say, Kenny? But that is how I've always done it. But that is how it's always been done, right? No, it's okay. Things change. You change. You change as a person. So whether we're talking about Instagram, your blog that you've been doing for years, your email newsletter, your YouTube videos, I don't care. Pick whatever you want you can change it today, tomorrow. Like it does not have to stay the same. I don't know where people get that idea. Um, I rebranded a few years back. Like everything was curious or editing LLC. And I had to decide, is this a good idea? Do I want to go through all this? This is the way I've been doing it. So is it going to be a problem if I change? No, it was awesome. It was so liberating, you know, it was wonderful getting to put everything under one umbrella in just my name. So if you're stuck with your Instagram and you're like, but these are the pictures I've been posting or these are, I don't care. It's okay. Start over, go start a new one, go start doing new photos. But won't people wonder? Yeah, probably. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I think, I think what I'm trying to say, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but people overthink this. If you have want to start posting different things, then do it. If you feel the need to let your followers know, hey, I'm going to start making some changes here. Go for it. That's great too. They'll support you. And the ones who don't, you don't want them around anyway. So don't worry about it. It's, it's something that people overthink. So all I'm trying to say is just because it's the way you did it years ago or the way you've been doing it, we could go on for you ever about things that have been totally wrong or you know the social mores and things of that nature we could go on for that forever but things change and you change so just go ahead and make the update and you'll be really happy you did yeah. so for whoever's listening to this and they're thinking hey you know what that's me you officially have shayla's permission to change <laughs> <laughs> yes please do and and it, i think you'll have a sigh of relief seriously, because um, one of my authors, her name is Martina Wing, and she lives um, in Hawaii, and she works with manta rays, and that's her job, and she wrote a book called Notch the Rescued Dolphin, based off of her viral video, where some scuba divers untangled a dolphin from some fishing line, and 
And, you know, she came to me and she's like, look, I've got an Instagram account for the Manta Ray Advocates Company that I own. I've got an Instagram account for me, Martina Wing, and I've got an Instagram account for Notch the Rescue Dolphin. And guess what? That flowed over into Facebook and this and that. And I was like, you got to just go down to one, like, or even two, if you have to have one for the company, because that's such a totally different thing. Fine. But you've got them. Well, how am I going to do that? Aren't I, aren't I going to lose a bunch of followers? And da, da, da. I'm like, you'll lose a little bit, but it'll be fine. It'll be great. And I worked with her on how to do that, to rebrand some stuff. And it, I mean, it, that burden was gone like practically overnight. Oh, wow. Managing two is a lot better than three, you know? Um, and the way that we did it, she didn't have to lose that many followers. She lost a very tiny amount and then picked up a whole bunch of brand new ones. So don't worry about that stuff, guys. Just move forward and do what works best for you and just know that it'll work out in the end. So let's move on to uh, Thou Shalt Not Bear a Boring Book Launch. <laughs> yeah. And I have, to, I have to take that slowly so that I can say it yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I love alliteration. It's fun. Either people, either it helps it to stick in someone's mind or they just trip all over it and both are fun. So... So what is a boring book launch to you? One that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you seen? Okay, actually, this is it. This is the one. Okay, so I see this all the time and it just, it, it hurts me. It hurts. I'll be scrolling through Facebook. It's usually Facebook, I feel like. And somebody will post in a group or like an author Facebook group, or they'll make a post on its own. They'll say, I published my book today. Now, how do I market it? And it just kills me. Absolutely kills me because they should have been marketing it months, 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 months ago. Ultimately, when I say a boring book launch, I mean one that is unsuccessful. If you have launched your book and you have no sales or very, 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 very few sales, that means that you haven't been talking about it. You haven't been telling people about it. You haven't been branding yourself. You haven't been doing things to get your name out there, both in the online world and offline in your community. Those things take a lot of time. So I teach people, I mean, you need months to have a really good a successful book launch. And that requires a website, social media, some other type of form to reach people, which can be an email newsletter. That's what I prefer, but not everybody likes that. So I'll coach them to do something else, like maybe a podcast or a YouTube channel or some other form that would work or a blog or some other form that would work best for them to help establish their platform, community, tribe, whatever word you're most comfortable with. And then from there, you know, they're also going to have to make sure that they have a quality product. You, you cannot go and publish an unedited, unproofread book. You cannot go out there and publish a book cover that's atrocious. You cannot go out there and, you know, deliver a book that's low quality. I mean, you can, but it's going to be a complete waste of your time, money, and your credibility goes out the window. You know, how would you feel if you went and paid money for a book? And it hadn't been professionally edited and it was hard to read. And honestly, like even outside of grammar and punctuation, maybe it should have had substantive edits. Maybe it should have had more beta readers because the story is so hard to follow. All of those things help make a book launch successful, but people are what help make it so successful. And that's why originally book launch teams were a big deal for both me and my authors. I taught that where I would set up a Facebook group. And we would get, you know, a bunch of people to join the group, people that had followed the blog, the email newsletter, their social media profiles that kind of moved them all over into a Facebook group. And then we would ask them to like read the book in advance, be prepared to write a review, buy the book um, at a discounted price on launch day. Well, that kind of started picking up speed for a lot of other authors. They started figuring that out too. And then it turned into a job and it wasn't fun anymore. And it got way oversaturated. So I was telling you before the show started that I had to rewrite Commandment 9 two days before sending it to my editor because I had it in there to do the book, uh, to do the launch group, the Facebook launch group version. And I knew I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell you guys to do that because it wasn't working anymore. 
So I had to teach you guys all about Amazon, the beast that is Amazon that has created a monopoly on the publishing world. I had to teach you guys about that. I had to teach you guys about pricing. I had to teach about blurbs. I mean, that chapter alone is really bulky because there's so much more that goes into it than just, oh, I'm on social media or, hey, look at me, I have an email newsletter. It's a whole lot of cogs going at the same time to have a successful book launch. And I, I think that's why probably like half of my business revolves around book launches because it is so hard to, I mean, if you just, if you, if you just want to get it out there and it's not really about like a ton of sales and visibility to you, then that's fine. But a lot of people, that's what they want. And so that's what they'll hire me for because it is just a lot of work. <laughs> it really, really is, but it's fun work and it's, it makes you feel very accomplished. It's a very rewarding to be able to launch your book and say, wow, like I launched my first book and I sold a thousand copies this week, or I got number one bestseller in my categories this week. You know, being able to say that instead of, I hope I sell at least 10 this week. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to belittle that, but I know that all of us as authors, we have big dreams and we have big hopes. And in order to bring those to fruition, we have to be willing to do things other people aren't willing to do. We have to be willing to make sacrifices. You know, sometimes that means staying up late. Sometimes that means rewriting your blurb for the 15th time. <laughs> sometimes that means uh, forking over some money for book promotion newsletters because your platform isn't that big yet. And so you need to borrow somebody else's. Sometimes that means, you know, looking at the cover that you made in Canva for free and realizing, you know what, this isn't a captivating cover and I can't release it like this. I need to go hire a professional because I care about quality. And honestly, I think you feel a lot better doing it right the first time around, but a lot of authors don't. And they come to me down the road and say, Hey, I've already launched my book, but it sucks. <laughs> Will you help me? Can you help me fix this? And I'm like, yep. We'll call your first version a soft launch. <laughs> we'll call this round a hard launch. And, and that's okay too. I always try to help my authors understand that no matter what they've heard or read, nothing is permanent and everything is fixable. There are ways to fix things. You just have to know who to ask. Oh, that's great. Cause I think a lot of, especially first time authors will think, oh great. I'm, I'm done that there's nothing else I can do. No, that's not true. It's really not, I, but I think it's just because they don't have that knowledge, just like I didn't, you know, we, you didn't know. And so then when you start asking questions or you hire professional help, you realize, wait, I can do that. My biggest thing is encouraging authors that no matter where you are, I don't care if the book's already been published, if it hasn't been published yet, if it hasn't been written yet, like my goal and what I do every day is to help you achieve whatever it is you want as an author, whether it be starting it, finishing it, um, making the book stronger or finally getting to the publishing phase, whatever it may be. My goal is to encourage these authors to know that they can totally do this and I'm rooting for them. That's fantastic. I love that. You can really hear your passion behind it. It is. It's my life. <laughs> I mean, it's everything I've wanted to do since I was very, very young and it's just, I love it. I love working with authors. I love working on books. I wouldn't know what to do. You know, everybody says like, if you didn't do this, what would you do instead? And I'm like, I don't know. Be a professional alphabetizer of books. <laughs> I go to houses and like org. I don't know. I mean, this is just what I've always wanted to do. So it's very fun for me. And don't worry, I have my bad days, but I'd still rather do this on the worst day ever than anything else. Uh, so the very last uh, commandment that I want to talk about, because I think it's so important is number mm -hmm. 10 and it's that thou shalt not covet another author's success yes and like we were talking earlier and, and coveting somebody else's success for me like i look at it like if you're worrying about oh i'm not as good as them then you're never going mm -hmm. to realize how good you are mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know there's there's i think that it's really summed up beautifully for me and I believe that I use this quote, but Grant Faulkner is the executive, let's see, what is he? Oh, goodness. He's the executive director of National Novel Writing Month. 
and he wrote this, I mean, he's written a lot of other books, but he wrote a book called Pep Talks for Writers, which if you guys have never read that, those who are listening, it is a gem of a book. Well, he said in his book, one of the worst things you can do to mangle the exquisite beauty of your creative spirit is to compare yourself to another. And I have never forgotten that. I mean, once I read that, I just stopped and I was like, wow, that was like a slap in the face to me. Because how many times do we see so-and-so publishing another book, writing another book, writing like three books at the same time, and we can't even get past the research phase, right? Or we've been stuck on the same draft for months or years, and it really brings you down, doesn't it? Except that it doesn't have to. You have to make the conscious. You, you have to make the decision that you're not going to compare yourself to another writer anymore. You're done with that. And I do understand that it's not necessarily a one and done thing. You have to kind of work at that for a long time. But once it clicks and you understand, hey, this is my best, and I'm doing the best I can right now, and I'm happy with that, then you're going to really have a lot less burdens to carry, excuse me, a lot fewer burdens to carry on your shoulders, right? And I know that for me, one of my biggest struggles was I'm an editor. If I publish my books and everybody hates them, does that mean that they won't want to hire me as an editor? That's what I had. Like, that's the type of stupid stuff that gets in my brain. And I finally realized I didn't care because I knew that I was giving my absolute best and I was striving for that. And I think that if you're striving for it, then you shouldn't have to compare yourself to somebody else. And like Mariana Llanos said, I want to be the next me. I want to be the next Mariana Llanos, not somebody else. I, I finished up the book with that chapter, which, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit, but it, I didn't really know how to end it. I was kind of struggling. I was struggling with how to finalize this. I didn't want it to necessarily be a recap of everything that everyone had learned. I really wanted them to feel encouraged to, you know, you can read everything I just wrote. You can go read my blog posts, watch my videos, hire me, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you are still going to struggle with imposter syndrome. You are still going to struggle with writer's procrastination. You are still going to have your off days. And I might not be able to fix that for you, but I can at least encourage you to have way fewer of those moments in your life as a writer and hopefully encourage you to be proactive about it. So like one of the things that I recommend, because I'm all about the action tips. One of the things that I recommend at the very end, after I go over some like cool ideas you can do. Um, I recommend that you guys write a list of five things you're good at as a writer. You know, you can do this with anything in life, by the way. This is definitely the count your blessings kind of action tip. But I always, if you're having a bad day and you're really harping on yourself and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to da, da, da. Stop what you're doing and grab your notebook, journal, whatever, and jot down five of your strengths as a writer. And I guarantee you, you have five. Is it, is it your amazing dialogue? Is it your settings? Is it your characters? Is it your tone? Like, what is it that you feel like you're really good at as a writer? Is it your time management where you can just sit down and word vomit at 2000 pages without thinking, you know? Um, that to me is a great activity when you're really down on yourself. And then I always recommend that you also write, write down your past failures as a writer and how, this is important, how they led to success. There is no success without failure. Every failure I have ever had in my life, I am not kidding you, and I know this because I have written down the big ones, has somehow paved the way toward future success. Like as in if I hadn't failed at this, I would not succeed at this down the road. So I always recommend for my writers when they're comparing, when they're having that insecurity, talk about some failures that you face in your life years back, months back, and then say, if I hadn't learned that lesson, if I hadn't failed at that, would I be able to succeed at this? And that always really encourages me. So um, yeah, I think it was important for me to end the book on that note so that they knew you're not alone. I mean, my word, my Angelou, you know, I'm, I hate to kind of butcher her quote, but she basically said, one of these days, I'm going to be found out. They're going to know that I put the wool over them. They're going to know that I'm not, you know, this amazing person because she suffered from imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou, the woman who wrote, I know why the cage bird sings, suffered from imposter syndrome. 
So don't feel like you're alone. And again, if you find a, a, a writing community, you'll definitely have fewer of these moments. Oh, wow. I mean, that's like, I normally ask, like, cause I know we're, we're about, we're past our time, but uh, I normally ask like, what's one last thing, but I think that you just right there was excellent. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I, I think it's just cause I, when I see that stuff, it makes me feel better about myself. And I, and I just, I guess I will say one tiny, tiny thing. That's okay. okay. Yeah, no, that's absolutely okay. I'm not going to use the P word. So I'm going to call it, as we say in the South, everything that's been going on recently. I know that some of you guys are struggling because interestingly, you've been stuck at home and have had a lot of time to write. But if you're anything like me and some of my friends who are writers, you haven't been writing. Maybe even some of you haven't been reading as much, which is weird because now you have time, but you're anxious and you're depressed and you're going through all these different emotions and you don't really feel like it. So I would like to first, just really quickly, I want to encourage you that that's okay. And you can get back into the writing and reading when you're ready. I'm not going to say start now, start tomorrow, but I am going to say start soon. And I would like to challenge you to do a little, oh, I don't want to say challenge twice. I would like to suggest you take on a challenge. Go to your computer, your journal, whatever you're comfortable with, and you need to promise yourself that you will write for 15 minutes. And then as soon as that 15 minutes is up, you can be done. So if you've been struggling to get back into the writing groove, go sit down, sit at your laptop, your journal, set your timer for 15 minutes, no social media, nothing, and you get to write for 15 minutes. The second that timer goes off, you're done. If you want to keep writing, you can. Usually when I do this, I will keep writing. One final note, one is always greater than zero. If you wrote one sentence during that 15 minutes, that sentence is so much greater than none, than zero sentences. So I just wanna encourage you guys to always remember one is greater than zero and any effort you put in at all is better than nothing. So. Just wanted to finalize with that. Before we go, we sign off. Um, do, do you mind just telling everybody where they can connect with you? Yes. So you can find me at shaylaraquel.com, S-H-A-Y-L-A-R-A-Q-U-E-L.com, or just Google me. If you type in Shayla Raquel, everything you want comes right up. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Medium, Goodreads, LinkedIn, TikTok, <laughs> whatever you want, I'm probably on there. So feel free to follow me on any of those platforms and, you know, it just kind of depends on what you like. If you like to be um, kept apprised of my latest articles, Twitter is good. If you like to see my dogs and funny things and book reviews, Instagram is good, but I like to be on social media and I love to engage and talk to other people on there. So feel free to follow me. I hope that today's episode added value to you as much as it did to me. If you are looking at author branding, marketing, I highly suggest that you buy Shayla's book, The Ten Commandments of Author Branding. You can find it on Amazon. I'll leave a link to it on my website on the show notes page. It is definitely one of those books that you want to have in your library. You may have noticed that there was no Author Basecamp episode last week. That's the shorter episode for the podcast. After speaking to Shayla, I decided that I would try something different. I want to add as much value as I possibly can. So I decided to give myself permission to try something new. Well, that's all for today. Until next time, keep writing and keep dreaming.